When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, sir, you, uh, congratulations, called it. I talked to you a week ago, Wednesday, and uh, with the trade deadline approaching at that time, you told me that you expected there was a very good chance that uh, Coyle and Granlin would be traded. And sure enough, I believe that night Coyle was dealt. And uh, at the deadline on Monday, Granlin was traded. What gave you the feeling, Lou, that those two players in particular would be dealt? Well, to me, it seemed like he wanted to make a change of uh, some of the core people. And, of course, you couldn't trade the older guys because they essentially have no trade contracts and their value is not going to be the same. And uh, secondly, uh, I... (laughs) Uh, some general managers around the league had talked to me, asked me about these players, so I knew that there was a lot of interest in them, and and I just felt that if he's going to make changes, that the two of the most attractive pieces he had were Granlin and Coyle. Mm-hmm. And I just felt that uh, the Wild was going to do something. They were in a t- bit of a tailspin. They were getting to the trading deadline. Uh, you always hope we're on a trading deadline that somebody will overpay because of the you know, anxiety of the teams that want to acquire people thinking that they, this might be the difference maker for them. And uh, those are two quality players, and especially in Granite's place, uh, he's the most talented player in the wild team. So I knew that there'd be a, a market for him. So that that being said, on both those players, were you surprised that in either case uh, they did not get more in return in the trades? Well, I... I Frankly, I thought that they'd get a higher draft pick with Donato, and I, I definitely thought they'd get more from uh, Nashville because uh, Nashville's a key piece for, I mean, Granlin is a key piece for Nashville. Nashville's power play is last in the league, and they need somebody like Granlin to start there. But secondly, they need really a quality player like him. The guy is a tremendous, not a good player, he's a tremendous hockey player. Even when people think he's having a downtime, if you look at what he's doing, on the ice, uh, not producing points, but the other things he does do for a team are, are much better than many other people. And he's still young, and he's affordable. And and because his production isn't hitting seventy points, uh, he's not going to be a, a a person that's going to give you a problem contract wise. He might make six six and a half million, but many of the good players make more than that. So I, I just thought he was uh, something could attract a a real big part. So Fiala is a good player, and I like I like him. I've seen him for a while. He's fast, and he can score goals, but overall, if you look at quality for quality, it's not Granlin. If you think he's Granlin, you're kidding yourself. There's there's no way. Granlin does too many other things that uh, Fiala doesn't do, so I thought that they get a little bit more than that. If you had been in Fenton's shoes then, would, would you have traded Granlin or not, Lou? 
Well, you know, I I think that uh, Paul's come in with the idea, and the and the owner, of course, they they want him to do something different, get a different core of players. That's fine. I I have no problem with trade. I made hundreds of trades, so I, I have no problem seeing the guy traded. It uh, it's what you view as as uh, an asset. What do you think you the direction you want to take the team, and that's what a general manager does. And I think that. Paul has uh, the vision that he has for this team, and, and he's got to do things to get there, and, and that's what he should be doing if that's the way he thinks they're going to get better. That, that's what he was hired to do, and I right. have no problem with what he did. How about trading in the division as well? Because I think back in your day, I want to say you probably didn't do that, and, and it certainly seemed like there was a stigma about that for a long time, it seems like sports executives today don't have the same problem. But how much of a pause would that have given you a deal in Grandland in your division? I dealt everybody in my division. The first trade I made was in my division was with it? the Blackhawks. I had no problem. Okay. If I was going to trade somebody and I wanted something different, I didn't care where he was going <laughs> as long as I got back what I wanted. So I never had that feeling. I know that did exist, like you're saying, Judd. A lot of people worried about that. I didn't. My 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 thought process was always if I'm getting something better that I feel is going to make our team better. I don't care where it's coming from or where the guy's going. Well, I did. Yeah, I, I will tell you this though. I did try and monitor what was going on around the league, the trades, and try to kill trades within the division. You know, by <laughs> you know just different little gimmicks or acts or things. <laughs> I had I did that on many many occasions. <laughs> Care to share? Care to share a story? Didn't bother me. What's that? I said, do you care to share a story of the most creative you got in trying to kill a deal that that was potentially going to be made between two teams that would have hurt your team? Well, I can't really tell you who they were at the times, but sure. many times I've heard a deal was making. Uh, you know, if I say the team A is trading Peter for team B's Paul, and I call up. Uh, I'd call up Team B, Paul, uh, Paul, and say, "I can't believe somebody thinks that you're going to make a trade with uh, A for Peter." There's no, there's no way. I know, I know Paul's way better than he is, you know, <laughs> or stuff like that. Just to put cast doubt wherever you could. Oh, that's good. So, of, of the players who have come back, uh, Lou, in, in the in the th- three trades or the three big trades that Fenton has made so far, uh, Rask, who obviously is hurt, and there's some questions about him as a player. Donato has, if I'm not mistaken now, in four games, a goal and five assists, and then Fiala from Nashville. Which one do you like the most of those three players who have uh, come back in Fenton trades? Well, I I, I personally think that uh, Fiala could be the highest scorer. Uh, he's the fastest of the three, and uh, he's got uh, great release, and he's got a history of scoring goals. So Donato's got a history of scoring goals, but not at the rate that Fiala did in the NHL, so and and uh, Donato's been in the NHL where he's gone through a streak of points and then a streak of no points. I, I think that uh, Donato, uh, I like the way Donato thinks the game. I like the overall stuff that he does. He's not as fast as as Fiala. I don't think Fiala looks quicker to me, and Fiala will score more goals. Donato might uh, essentially. I think Donato would would will set up or generate more assists than Fiala will. Mm-hmm. I, I like them as players. I'm, you know, what, what I got to see in, 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 
in the, is if they get in the playoffs, how are they going to react when it's tighter checking, heavier hitting, and a uh, faster pace? And that's that's something that uh, they're going to have to muster up to because we know one thing. Uh, Grandin was always terrific. He was he was as good a player as the Wild ever had in the playoffs. Uh, he's he's come up with some of the biggest goals in the team's history, and uh, you know he's very creative. Uh, Taylor doesn't have Granlin's problem of shooting. If Granlin shot more, he'd be even more dangerous, but he was a pass-first person. Fiala's a shoot-first. I think Donato, uh, even though he'll, you know, he, he's a good setup man, he, if he sees an opportunity to score, he'll shoot it. He'll shoot way more than Coyle ever thought of shooting. That Blues goal, right? And you like that, yeah. Yeah, exactly. The and I OT think goal, that yeah. that's, that's what they were looking for, and, and I, I really believe they got it in Donato. Donato has no problem shooting the puck from all angles, where Coyle, even when he was, I love the way Charlie played overall, but it was frustrating that he didn't shoot enough. Exactly. And and I I even personally told him, when if I run into him, I said, do you ever think of shooting more? I mean, you know, it just drives you nuts, but uh, Donato but won't have that problem. And, uh, you know, Rask has got a ways to go before. Rask is never going to be the overall player, in my mind, that, Niederreiter, because I, I just love the way Niederreiter was antagonistic in front of the net, strong on the boards, and could score goals. Uh, so Rask is going to have to generate offense from, uh, really from scoring goals and, and being creative, because the other parts of the game are, uh, he hasn't got. And Lou, how, how much do you think ultimately, too, for Fenton, these three trades were, were about trying to acquire talent back, of course, but also about freeing up cap room because it does seem like now he's got some room to, to go out possibly and, and explore the market where before the uh, wild is probably going to be fairly up against the cap again. How much do you think this just goes back to him trying to create room on July 1st to go out and, and explore po- uh, potential signings? Well, I think it, uh, part of it was to do with cap room. Although I, uh, you know, you're, you gotta remember if, if the guy's, play like the other guys play, they're, they're not going to have cap room for more than a year. And so you might be up against it right away. You, you know, if you get to a situation that all of a sudden you got this cap room, you're bringing up some players to to bring you way up. And then uh, Fiela and and, uh, and Donato and, and that are coming up for contracts, and and you got to then re-sign them. Mm-hmm. Now do you have enough room to re-sign? So, I, mm-hmm. you know, cap room is... Uh, it's it's an opportunity at times, but at the same time you got to remember you might create cap room, but you got to remember do you have what it takes to bring someone in for the same price? In other words, if I want to sign uh, Frank for four million dollars, wherever he is, will he come to us for four million dollars? If at the same time, say uh, New York Rangers are offering him four million dollars, or or Tampa's offering four million. It's also the attraction of getting people to come where you want them to go. So it's not just the cap space. It's what have you got that makes it attractive for somebody to come there? Because it's not like you're not going to have competition for these players. You might have cap space, but you're not the only team, you know, getting players. Right. Just look at the Timberwolves. I mean, they had cap space for a long time. But they're not getting the players coming in there, right? Yes, that's very true. But that. It, but how, how much di- different do you think it potentially is 
for hockey players with, with the opportunity to come here? Because there there are sports where it's certainly you you would look at the market and and the winters and you might say to yourself that's not as attractive as Miami or uh, Arizona. Do you think that hockey players look look at those things just as hard as say like basketball or uh, football players? Well, I think they look at if it was me and uh, I was making the choice, it would be first, uh, what kind of success can this team have and I have with the team? Then secondly, it would be, uh, you know, is it a tax state, non-tax state? Your agent's going to be telling you, of course, right. about uh, being a tax state or non-tax state. But as a player, you want to win. And then so you're saying, what kind of opportunity am I going to get there and how good are they going to be? And uh what does it look like overall? What's what's the prospects for moving forward? Minnesota is an attractive market. It's a great place to play hockey. Winners don't matter because these guys fly in private jets. They're in and out and they're gone half the time. You know, half the time they're out of the marketplace anyway. It doesn't matter because they're somewhere else. But uh, I, I I think it's all about at least it would be for me is uh, how's the team going to be? What are our chances to win? And my chances to be successful. How do I fit in, and how productive can I be? Because it's all about getting the next contract, too. And when you get the next contract, how much am I going to be able to make? How productive am I going to be there? Lou, if the Tampa Bay Lightning had existed in 1968, you never would have been here. <laughs> you would have oh, been. Yeah, I would. You... Married you when he recruited me. He said, you come here, you'll never leave. And he was right. No, I know, I but played, if the... I, I, You know, uh, when I was... Uh, Coming off the Olympic team, and expansion came. The reserve list went away, which means I had opportunities to go other places. No right. But I never wanted to leave Minnesota. I'll tell you a story. Frankly, when when I was general manager of of the Minnesota uh, North Stars, uh-huh. two of the guys that tried to get me to sign to leave constantly were Jerry Buss in L.A. and uh, Sonny Werblin in in uh, New York. And I went to have dinner with Warbler one night, and he said, what's going to take you for you to come manage the Rangers? I said, you don't have enough money for me to come here. Because <laughs> I had young kids, and I didn't want to have them grow up. I don't know. I, I, I couldn't picture them growing up in Manhattan or where were they going to be in the traffic. I, I, you know, I, I didn't want to leave. I never wanted to leave. And, and the, you know, money goes so far, but it's, it's all about other things, and that's what makes Minnesota, I think, so attractive to other people coming here, and and that's like that's what I get very concerned when people tell me they can't recruit to come to University of Minnesota Gophers. I I think I'd love to be a coach, uh, and I don't want to coach, but I'm saying I'd love right. to be in that position as Recruiting. a coach yep. to try and recruit someone in Minnesota. You got so much to offer in the Twin Cities and in the state. You got so many Fortune 500 companies. You got all the sports to watch. It's very attractive. Yeah, we have winners, but most people, I know it might be different for kids from the South that don't have winners to come up there and play football, but overall, most people, you know, they don't they don't think about the winner. I thought about it when I was going to Minnesota. I went to Minnesota because they told me there was no snow or three inches, and I hate snow, so I thought I was going someplace with no snow. But once I got there, as much as I hated the snow, I, I loved the place. So you what? So you n- never came close to departing. There was never like that. Jerry Bus never came close to to no. giving you an, an offer that was attractive enough to at least make you consider it strongly. No, not at all. Okay, not at all. In fact, when I went out there one time, Jeannie Bus, I don't know if she ever remembers. 
I was eating in the in a press room where you used to eat uh, before a game with the Kings, and she came in. She says, "I got another idea for you. if you come, we'll even trade for your son like because they own the soccer team there. We'll get Tino out and Michelle out here." <laughs> I was still not good enough. Wow, <laughs> that's a heck of an offer, Lou. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there, there also was a report, uh, I believe it came out on late Monday or Tuesday, Lou, that um, that the Wild came close to trading Jason Zucker to Calgary for Froelich and a pick. Uh, if they had traded all, all four of those guys, Nino and then uh, Charlie, obviously, Granlund and Jason, how surprised w- would you ha- have been by that? And the Froelich and a pick surprised me a little bit because the return to me uh, with those two things would not have been that great. Well, it wouldn't have surprised me if they traded Zucker, too, and I thought the other guy that could go, if there was someone that wanted Stahl willing to pay the price, because uh, yep. I, I think uh, Stahl could be very valuable to some of those teams going into a playoff run, and uh, it would be attractive, and, and you know, uh, he was going to be a free agent anyway, and the Wild could have maybe taken a chance to say, okay, we're trading him, and then sign him back at the end of the year, because he'd be a free agent anyway, so... Uh, and he likes playing in Minnesota. So that wouldn't have surprised me. Those were the other two that I thought that they had a chance to go, but I didn't know how deep the, the trading would go and how much they'd want to do. And apparently they they were going to do the Calgary, Calgary deal, and I don't think just got reported in time. Yeah, so what happens there? They're, they're supposed to get, get it to the league by 3 o'clock uh, Three o'clock. you got to get Eastern? at least the crux of the deal. You don't have to have all the little parts of the deal, but as long as you... You put in that there's a deal been made, uh, Zucker for Froelich, and you could add the other things or whatever. But you you gotta you gotta make sure that uh, you said there has been a deal consummated by three o'clock, mm-hmm. because there's no three o one or three o two three o'clock, and that's it, dead, done, and gone. Interesting. So if if that that had been the case, and it had been Froelich and a pick, is that enough in return in your mind for Zucker? Well, you know. Zucker has had a history of scoring, and he's not scoring as much this year, but he's still a young guy with uh, possibilities, and, and I think that uh, they'll find out they probably got a better market for him in June if they really wanted to trade him. Yep. And and don't be surprised if Zucker bounces back wherever he is uh, with another 30-goal season. He's certainly capable of that. The, the guy finds a way to score, and, and uh, he's had it. He's done it forever all through college through the pros. He's had a little down year as far as production goes. It's still not a bad year, but for, you know, for the money, like I was saying before about Granlin, for the money you, you think you're going to get a little more goal scoring, but uh, you probably will from him in the future. Do you think he gets dealt in June? Yeah, I think he probably will, because if they're willing to do it now, I don't see what's going to change their mind. They, they got an idea that they want to change the course somewhat and, and, and go in another direction. And uh, and I hope that, uh, you know, one of the things they remember is you got a lot of speed. They're giving up speed to make sure you still get some speed back no matter who it is. Yeah, that's true. Uh, the the stall, it sounds like the, the reports I saw were, were that they did come close to uh, agreeing to a deal. I think it was possibly with Boston on stall. Stall had that 10-team uh, no trade list, which I think Boston was on, and Stahl blocked it. So that didn't that, that didn't shock me or surprise me. Uh, but what did interest me was that they then came back and gave him a two year extension that included another modified no trade, Lou. Yeah, I, I I thought it was a real good idea to give him an extension. I uh, I personally would have. 
I never, you know, we didn't have no trades in those days for the most part, and I would never give a no trade. Uh, now it's changed, and players got more more say in the matter and, and uh, more power to, to demand it. But I think that that's one of the worst things that the NHL has ever allowed, and they Thank can you. never get away from that now. Uh, yep. But if they, in a negotiating the collective bargaining agreement, I think that that would have been one of the points way back when, when the owners would fight not to, not to have it instituted because uh, it really ties the general manager's hands. And, uh, and I, I, you know, you've got to battle. Sometimes you, you have to be willing to walk away from a deal on, on certain points that are most important to you. And, and if that was one of the most important, then you've got to walk away and say, okay, Stahl, we'll give you two years, but you're not getting any uh, no trade in the clause. Yeah. And, uh, you know, then it gets down to a, a matter of will. Is uh, Eric going to find somewhere where he gets a modified no trade and still knowing he could be traded to another 10 teams or something? Or is he willing to gamble and stay in Minnesota where he says he loves and doesn't want to leave with a trade? Because in my mind, if you haven't modified no trade, you still have the ability to be traded. Yes. So, so why not just fight for, okay, we're giving you the money, but you're, <clears throat> we're not going to have no trade. <clears throat> you know, so... Um, and just see who comes out in, in the media in the, in the battle of the wills. But that's the thing, Lou, that I don't get. If the player, um, if, if the player had the modified no trade, he blocked the trade, and and his wife and kids obviously love being here. I would think that the team would be in a perfect position to say, as you just said, we'll give you the extension. That's fine, but we're not going to go through through the ability for you to block trades again. And if the player says no, I mean, if if it's a star player, I think you might be stuck. I get that. Yeah. But if it's Stahl, who's a nice player, but he's, what, 33 now or, or so? Um, well, I think he's even older. Oh, okay, so so my point being is I, I don't see where you wouldn't have all of the, if, if you're the uh, team, you wouldn't have all of the leverage to say this is just the one thing that we're not going to do. And if you demand this, then, you know, go out and explore the market on July 1st. Well, that's what I'm saying. I would yeah. have done. No, right, and, but, but but it's just the way I negotiated. Other people negotiate different ways. I'm not saying mine is right, wrong, or indifferent. But I'm just very adamant about certain things that I think are crucial to uh, having in 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 a contract signing and in a, a plan to set up the team. I think that uh, there's sometimes when if if you're if you're negotiating from strength, you got to use those points to get the kind of deal you want. Mm-hmm. And when they have the the strength on their side, they're going to use it to get their deal. And then what happens, a lot of times, it comes down to a matter of will. Are you willing to walk, whether you're the player or the general manager? Are you willing to walk away if the other side won't take what you think is most important to you? And that's what you have to assess. Since the uh, coil trade, the Wild has won four consecutive games. They beat the Rangers, Red Wings, Blues, and Jets, Lou. Do you look at this reshaped roster now and see more of a playoff team than previously? Is this just a nice spurt? I mean, the, the comeback against the Jets uh, was pretty impressive, but that being said, do you see this team differently with the uh, changes made so far? No, I don't I don't think that the, that the, the, the players themselves make any difference to making the playoffs than the other guys because, let's face it, they did beat Winnipeg three times before, so this yep. wasn't anything new, and, and, the, and the fact is that uh, you're never going to convince me short-term that not having Granlin on that team <clears throat> makes you a better team. 
I mean, you know, because I, I, personally, I thought that highly of Granlin. I just love Granlin. He he does so much. I think overall, it's starting off with better goaltending and better play overall collectively. And maybe the thing that did happen, though, there certainly was an attitude change and a desperation change, and and I think that's what Paul was looking for, and that's what he got. And so the players, uh, you know, once they they had more jump, more you know enthusiasm and more intensity in the game and playing less uh, uh, cautious, I think they they hit their stride. And I, I I'm excited because I think that. Those wins are so big that that can make the playoff difference, even though they're in a battle for their life. I still think they got the capability with Dubnik playing the way he is right now of making the playoffs. And uh, and they're fun. They're fun when they're working. They're fun to watch. And this is true. And 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 and, and it's uh, you know it's a good team. I mean, I, you know, uh, Paul made a good addition in my mind, and and that Brad Hunt that's come in. They needed better puck movement on on defense. And he's given them that, and he's given them some goal scoring from defense. I mean, when you look at where the Wild are scoring and defense, it's amazing. Nobody talks about it and how high they are in the league. And overall, i got to tell you, Boudreaux has done a hell of a job with this team. Boudreaux Amen. is an excellent, excellent coach. And if anybody thinks differently, they're nuts because uh, you're not going to – I don't know if anybody would have got any more out of the team than they, you've got there this year than he has gotten out of them. He's been fantastic. I agree yeah. completely. Um, around the league, which trades impressed you or did you like, and which trades did, did you not like that were made uh, by Monday's deadline, Lou? Well, i got to tell you, the best one uh, was Mark Stone going to Vegas, and it became the best one because they got a contract negotiated, and I talked to the agent, and and Donnie Mean they did a contract at 20-3. to 3. They were given permission to talk to Stone's agent, so they did a, a, a contract at twenty to three. So uh, he was the number one chip on the market, and and he got signed. Besides being traded to Vegas, Vegas got him for eight years, and so that was that was the best trade made because the guys were able, to, even though they had to give up a good prospect. Ottawa waited too long, and so they didn't get as much from uh, Stone as they could have probably gotten around the league had they made a deal earlier, but. Uh, Vegas made a huge coup by getting him signed for eight years. Mm-hmm. I like what Columbus did because uh, Columbus knows they're going to lose Panarin and Bobrovsky in the offseason, but they still went ahead and dealt for Duchesne, Dezingle, and McQuaid, and they're in a battle for a playoff position, and I, I really like what they did. And they did that because they got confidence. They got three guys playing, one leading the score in the Swedish League, uh, that they feel could separate in their lineup. So even though they're going to lose Panarin, Bobrovsky, and they could lose the free agents that he dealt for, although Dzingel played his college hockey there, I think they made the, the best gambles of anybody outside of uh, Vegas. And uh, you know, I I I think they were set up pretty good. And and Winnipeg made excellent addition in getting Hayes. In uh, Beaulieu, because they had to, they got two defensemen hurt right now, and then Kevin Hayes is a good centerman. Uh, if you watched him in the game against the Wild, I, I know you saw what I saw in the power play, where he's great in the power play. He kept passing the puck back to the point when he was getting puck in shooting position on his off wing, just like where Ovechkin scores from the other side. And he's a guy with a good shot, that scored from there with the Rangers, but never took one shot there. 
Hmm. And that's just trying to fit in with the new team. And once they get his mind straight to shoot the puck, he's going to be a heck of an addition there. Uh, you know, outside of that, I, I don't know. I, I wasn't really looking who made I can't remember who made the worst trades as far as I was concerned. But uh, they're... Uh, I can't remember if it was Calgary or or Florida that I didn't like one of the deals they made, but that, that Calgary was didn't it. do much, right? I think they added <clears throat> since the Zucker trade didn't get through. I think they only made basically one deal. Yeah, yeah and that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Not that I liked it that much. That's that's what I'm saying. I thought Calgary was going to do more because they they were sitting in a pretty good position, and there was a lot of talk that they were going to deal, uh, but they 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 just seemed to do a minor thing. And Pittsburgh seems pretty stuck, right? And Pittsburgh's on the battle. You know, you talk about being in a bad position. They got two defensemen hurt, one of them being the Tang. So uh, they have, and Murray's been, a, you know, he's been a goaltender who's won the Stanley Cups and, and done well. But their goaltending's been somewhat inconsistent as I watch them, and mm-hmm. they're right on the borderline. Oh, they, they, they toughened up a bit in their in their trades. They, they got a little more physic, physicality there, but I'm still they got a battle. When you look at them in Columbus, uh, Montreal, there's uh, you know, a lot of teams in the East that are right there, 75, 74, 76 points. And so it's going gonna, it's gonna to be so interesting to watch the race down to the wire because every year I say when you get to the end of February, boys, you just don't make up five points that easily. And right now, it's fun. They, you take a team like Philadelphia. They've been winning a lot and losing in overtime, and yet they just can't gain ground. They can't gain traction because, as I said, it's so tough to make up the difference in points because the other teams that you're battling, if you're battling more than one, the odds are that one of those other teams is always winning on the night. So when you think you're going to gain ground, you're really not gaining much because somebody else is winning too, and that's what really happens late in the year when it just seems like no matter what you do, you can't move up. That's like the Blues, though. I mean, the, the Blues, what, what makes their run so impressive is they got so hot that they did move up quite a bit. And they're still yeah, but and they they're close now. Yeah, they went 14-2, and they did earlier. But now watch yeah. and see how they, the teams try to move a, a point or two. Look at look at Winnipeg and Nashville. They've yeah. been fighting for first place with a point for so long, and it just doesn't seem to just widen at all. And it's been... You know, back and forth, back and forth, and that's what just happens in the playoff position as well. How about Dallas? They go get Zuccarella from the oh. Rangers in his first game, I think against the Blackhawks on Sunday. He scores a goal, so things look great. And then he takes a shot off the arm and breaks his arm. Or I think he scores broke a goal and gets an assist. So uh, yeah. you're sitting there as Dallas and saying, oh, what a great addition we got here. And then you know, in the second period, he falls to block a shot, which he does a lot, but what I, I think I've talked to you about this before, what drives me nuts is guys block shots and they don't block shots properly. He was turned around to the side, he got it on the side of his arm. Well, if you're going to block a shot, and it, it's, tough to, it's tough for some people to do because they keep thinking that puck's going to come up on their face, which it could. Yep. But when you're blocking a shot correctly, mm-hmm. and especially like a forward should be down on one knee, facing the shooter, puck uh, stick off to the side so it doesn't deflect it in your face, and the timing is everything. And if you're blocking it correctly, you're going to take that shot either in the chest and the shin pads or in the hockey pants, and you're not going to get hurt. But when you go to block a shot and you worry about your face, too often you expose yourself to the ankle, the knee, the elbow, the forearm, and something else gets hurt, and that's what's happened in that case. 
so last thing, the three things that, that you talk about and, and have have either convinced me on or I agreed from the start, Louie, the three things in hockey today that drive me nuts are shot blocking, that's especially done by stars when you say, okay, it's not worth it, guys who don't shoot en- enough, and then the last thing that I'm completely with you on, no trade clauses. If we could work on all three of those things, I think we'd improve. Yeah, I'm, de- I'm well, serious. We would. You, you got to remember, there's always two sides to negotiate an agreement, and, and it's always tough to get everything you want. The best deals are always when nobody's happy. But now Zach's hurt because he blocked a shot, and I, I get it. You're working hard, so I'm not trying to disparage the work that these guys do. But you know, if Zach Parise misses time because he took a puck, it wasn't worth it. Well, it wasn't worth it because he didn't block it properly. It's not because stars should block. There's there's nothing saying that stars shouldn't block shots. Yeah. If you learn to block shots, you're not going to get hurt. Well, then you I should never, teach. I, then I you should you, teach I a never, clinic. I blocked shots all my life from when I was a little kid. I had yeah. a guy, Joey Bumbacco, who taught me when I was 14 years old. And and I blocked a lot of shots. I, I That was one of the things I prided myself in that I really enjoyed. And I never, ever got hurt. I got very close one time yep. when I went down too fast on Bobby Hull, and he hit me right at the top, just underneath the throat. Oh. And that's in the curved stick days. And I thought, my God, another two inches, I could have been killed. I'm never blocking a shot on him again. Yeah. I, I went down. And in those days, the curves were limitless. So his was two and a half inches. Now they're a half inch. Well, that puck went up like on an elevator, and before you know it, it was my, just below my throat. Oh. And and that's and that's why Gump when he heard Gump the the puck turned over flat he got him on the temple and and uh, those curves were just vicious because the puck used to play tricks but that's the closest and the only time I ever got hurt uh, and I didn't get hurt then but I came very close to being hurt that, but outside of that I yep. never and I blocked a lot of shots I never got hurt that's what I'm telling you I thought guys break their jaws I saw many guys Keith Magnus and um, um, Barry Ashby from Philly, uh, a lot of guys blocked shots and had their jaws broken, but again, it's timing. The Lunani hockey camp of blocking shots. And I used to do that in my you hockey teach, camp. I made that a point, teach kids. teaching kids that yeah. all the time. I thought that was really important to do. And if you do it right as a forward, you can't believe how many breakaways you get. All right, sir. Appreciate the time. Great stuff. Thank you. Nice talking to you. See you later. All right. Enjoy. Bye, yeah. Louie. Bye-bye. This view was worth a hike. Right? And it's a good way to stay on top of my health. Yes. I'm Cologuard, a prescription colon cancer screening option for people 45 plus at average risk. Have you screened for colon cancer? Not yet. Don't wait. It's more treatable when caught in early stages. Tell me more. Cologuard is non-invasive and it's used at home. It detects altered DNA in your stool to find 92% of colon cancers. 92%? Yep, even those in early stages. This was seen in a clinical study with patients 50 and older. Any positive result should be followed by a diagnostic colonoscopy. False positive and negative results may occur. Cologuard is not a replacement for colonoscopy in high-risk patients. Do not use if you have had adenomas, have inflammatory bowel disease and certain hereditary syndromes, or a personal or family history of colon cancer. Most insured patients pay $0.00. Ask your provider or an online prescriber if Cologuard is right for you. Or visit Cologuard.com. I'm in.